Welcome to the Martok Podcast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Martok. I'm joined today by Mark Everts, Senior Revenue Marketing Strategist at the Pedowitz Group. Pedowitz Group is a marketing consulting group that helps marketers connect their efforts to revenue. Mark, thanks for being here today. Oh, absolutely, Angie. Thanks for having me. Mark, you've worked in a variety of, of different businesses, B2B, B2C, nonprofit, kind of an unconventional background for a lot of marketers. Would you mind sharing a little bit about that and perhaps how that might influence your, your day-to-day and your perspective on marketing in general? Absolutely. You know, there's there's no real big secret to it. And, it, and um, most of it, I would be lying if I said it wasn't. It was planned. I mean, it was more working in one environment either them getting sick of me or me getting sick of them and then finding another opportunity somewhere else. So uh, I would say that, you know, my, my background started in journalism where my job was to capture information and spread knowledge based on that information to other people. So it, it sort of lend itself to whether it's a B2C environment, a B2B environment, nonprofits, my job has always been about trying to figure out what makes people want something and help give them the information they need to get it. You know, whether it's donations, whether it's buying something online, or whether it's, you know, cajoling people as a group to make some large purchase of technology or otherwise. It's awesome. Um, I think it was Brian Kramer who published the book on H2H marketing, right? Human to human marketing. Absolutely. No, I, I'm a big believer in that. You know, I, I think, you know, it, it doesn't really take a genius to figure out like that we all have needs, we all have fears. I mean, it's like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? We all have all those things that we have to cover. Um, you know, I think that there's also something for marketers to consider that you don't have to necessarily be, you know, the Lex Luthor of B2B or B2C to try and kind of cajole somebody and force them or freak them out to the point of purchase, but actively give them information that they would need in order to go, you know, that makes sense rather than just sort of browbeat them with remarketing or any other tools in our toolbox. So we're here to talk about leveraging customer feedback in a buyer-centered campaign. Um, But before we dive into that, can you share a little bit, let's just unpack the word, you know, being buyer-centered. What does that mean to you? Well, to me, I, I don't know how you do it without talking to buyers, right? I mean, I think being buyer centric, um, a lot of companies that I've worked with and had to convince them of different ways of doing it will sit in a conference room or talk to their sales teams and go, Hey, so who are our buyers? Well, there's this kind of person, that kind of person, and this kind of person. So let's, let's try and be personal with them. I think that's a false premise. So uh, that's why I advocate, you know, really not just trying to group people into buckets and and figure out how to segment your email list, but actually figure out, you know, kind of those Maslow's hierarchy of needs with any customers that you talk to. So what, what sucks about their job that technology or something else can solve? How do they, how do they move through their day? What are some of the things that they aspire to? and really find out rather than guess. So, and I think campaigns, I mean, really what we're talking about in my world anyway, and other people may have different definitions, but when I think of campaigns, it's more distribution of information, right? 
I don't, I mean, if you're living an email, great, then it'll be an email. If you, have, and this will be found out by obviously having those conversations. If you're largely just going to events and soaking up information that way, guess what? That information is going to be available there. So when I think of campaigns, I don't think of it kind of in the political or even in the marketing context of, hey, we've got this campaign that's going to go for three months and is it successful or is it not? It's just figuring out where people need information, wherever their eyeballs live and uh, and getting it to them meeting them where they're at yeah yeah i mean i think we've spent you know you and i've been around the block a little bit we even managed to cross paths um at another uh company at one time and you know there was a strong push to just bombard people with information and then the ones that actually paid attention it's like oh hot one you know yeah and i think if you we've all kind of learned through you know pain and bruising that you know, that's really kind of a, a, a horrible way to get out to people. If you're there and people actively are looking, they'll find you. And if they don't, that means you're not, you know, getting the information to where it needs to be, yeah. not where you want them to go. We need to lead with value for sure. Yeah. So you mentioned we've both been around the block a few times. We have definitely um, been around marketing for a while, and we've both had the privilege of seeing this introduction and the rise of technology and automation, right? You mentioned what did that look like at first? We were blasting tons of people, tons of information, whether they wanted it or not, until they reacted. Um, now, sort of zoom forward, and, and those sort of batch and blast technologies have really gotten smarter. We've got uh, the ability to personalize and automate like never before. Um, what effect do you think that, that focus on efficiency and automation, though, has had on our relationships with our buyers? All right, bear with me on this because, like, I have I've been thinking about this for the better part of six months based on conversations that I'm having, you know, with the company that I'm working for now. I'm sitting with here. a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Well, because it may be a little bit long winded, but the but you know, I when I think about it, like, I think the promise of it is that you're going to waste less time, you're going to be more effective, and you're going to be quote unquote relevant and able to reach people at the place that they are with the information they need and all the buzzwords that a lot of the technology vendors that we all work with and actually have partnerships with have been espousing for the better part of a decade, right? So th the promise has always been, hey, you'll be better, you'll be faster, you'll be more pinpointed, you'll get more customers. And I think with that promise, I've always had a little bit of I, like, yeah, right. You know, I mean, it, I think that we still use the tools and a majority of the people that I'm working with or have worked with use the tools in the way to make their spend less and get as much information out there to as many people as they can and then still wait for the people to pop up to the surface and then market more heavily to those. I still think that's going on. I don't think that's changed. I think that it just means they're cramming more people through the technology. Now, we do have the ability to segment better. We do have predictive intelligence tools and other, um, you know, AI and things to sort of try and identify who may be in a buying situation, you know, or how we might need to market to them to kind of tip them over. That then gets me into a, a thought of like, you know, because we have this, these tools, because we have the ability to remarket and remind and hit people in places where they're not really expecting it based on data that they probably don't know that we have on them. Um, then you kind of get into like, God, am I, 
am I part of the evil empire or am I actually doing good? Right. Because we have it, because we can do we. So I'm kind of in this like moral dilemma of keeping people from doing great harm by just carpet bombing people with email or direct mail or digital interactions. So trying to at least minimize the number of bombardments and then thinking about actively thinking about like, because we can, should me, should we? So those are the things that I'm, that I'm kind of, uh, that I always ask when I'm in engagements, right? Do we need it? Do we know our customers enough? And that's why, you know, I'm a big proponent of, of talking to, you know, the customers themselves and going like, what's, what is kind of your threshold for tolerance here and try and get a hold of as many people as possible and then bank my approach or my campaign cadence on what I hear rather than, you know, what I think. Like I said, a little long winded, but hopefully at least it sort of coalesces into a thought. I'm conflicted as you can tell. Yeah. Yeah. No, not long winded at all. All good stuff. Um, I think one of the, terms put on technology is enablement, right? Every software out there wants to enable the customer to do things. And I think it's Mm -hmm. fair to point out that that enablement can be good or evil, right? You can enable them to do a whole lot of of blasting and bombarding, as you said, um, or you can enable them to strategically reach their buyers and form relationships and deliver value. Um, so I think it's it's a fair point and and definitely one yeah. that the listeners should definitely consider. You know, looking at their strategy, well, why are they reaching out, and and what's the point? The so what is what I often tell my team, right? So what? Why are we doing this? Pr- prove it to me or mm-hmm. convince me. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean you use an interesting term in terms of enablement. We talk about that in the way of like empowering others, but there's also the use of the word enable as you know, sort of an en- enabler of bad habits. Right. Or an enabler of bad practice. You know, the the key is and what I try and do, and I'm not, you know, a mountain mover, but what I at least think about when I'm engaging with clients is I don't want to be an enabler. I want to be an empowerer with the ability to help them do it in a way that doesn't make them annoying to others. Right. So just trying to figure out where that is. Yeah. Um, empowerment is a, is a word sort of near and dear to me. My my previous agency was um, was named empowerment in Hebrew. Um, empowerment <laughs> is an interesting word because it actually it speaks to being a conduit of power, right? You you become the transfer of power between things, and so um, when you think about it like that, you know, em- empowering someone actually means to give them the power, um, and you're not doing mm-hmm. that if you're just beating them with email. Right. No, I totally agree. Um, so, you know, getting back to sort of this gathering feedback and this notion of customer input, um, when organizations look at gathering feedback, um, I think there's a tendency, or at least I've experienced a tendency, to interview only their current customers um, to uncover what the happy ones love and what the unhappy ones would change. You know, they at least have the perspective to go to both happy and unhappy clients, but they don't really look beyond their current client scope. Um I know mm-hmm. you've shared with me in other conversations that, that you take this one step further and interview former customers or former buyers. Would you tell us more about, you know, why you recommend this and how do you approach what could be a delicate conversation? Yeah, I mean, it is. And frankly, it's a difficult conversation whenever you reach outside of an organization. You know, I mean, as an example, I've worked in financial services and and having to do case studies with 
you know, or something like that with current customers of a financial institution. It took me 10 months to write that because, and it was like a two page case study because it had to go through all sorts of legal channels. So oftentimes what would happen, trying to even talk to an existing customer would end up with sales getting involved. I'm like, no, don't touch them. Don't talk to them. I don't want you anywhere near them. Like don't make them, you know, change their deal or cancel their deal. Or they, there's a, there's a, a ton of like fear that, you know, as a marketing person, you're going to do something so asinine that the company is just going to up and bail. So it it happens across anything. (laughs) Yeah. It just freak out. So, you know, I've had, I've had to figure out rationale for reaching outside the organization to get true opinions rather than perceptions. Right. So, and usually how I go about doing that, regardless of who is in that set, um, past or present or, or, you know, um, you know, current unhappy ones is just say, look, you are big into retention. You are big into acquisition of net new customers. No one is going to know more about that exercise or why they left the company or another company that snuck in and ate your lunch, no one's going to know more about that than, than the people that have been through it. You may be on the purchasing side and trying to hammer docs down their throat to get them to sign a, a, you know, on, the, on the dotted line, but in terms of how that uh, a purchase matriculated from, you know, I have to figure out what I'm supposed to do to, okay, I think I know what I'm going to do to, okay, who does this? all the way through to, okay, I've now shortlisted you and I, I'm ready to kind of, you know, understand you guys better. And then, and then I got to rally all my internal team members, particularly in a larger B2B sale, as you know, um, I got to rally all these people and then convince them one by one based on who they are and what they do, that this is a value to them. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's a messy process and no one person just because they sold the tool or the tech or whatever it is, is going to go, yeah, I know how that works. That's, that's a lie. So if you figure that out, then you can map all of your campaigns based on how that process works. You know, the, the infamous buyer journey is, I think, um, you know, that serious decisions started talking about way back in the day. Um, If you can kind of figure out that, but then layer on top of that, the information that that person required at each stage, coupled with who else was in the buying committee and what kind of information they needed in order to, you know, because if you're talking to a marketer that wants, you know, Eloqua or Marketo, that's going to be a different conversation than the CFO that's going to need to understand how and when he's going to make his money back and potentially make X percentage more, right? Yeah. So that's a different conversation, different piece of information different, you know, value props to, to articulate and probably different places to send it. Right. So, you know, all of those things and the, the complexity of, of how and why people make decisions, I think is what requires that level of dexterity. I mean, and to get more pointed to your actual question, sorry, I kind of went out in left field, but the, no the, the key to your question, the key to your I'll question just cut is, that part out of the you know, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> just the, the, um, the, you know, the people that are former customers that left probably in a huff or got stolen by somebody else, I mean, they're, they're going to be less inclined to talk to you, but I, the ones particularly that were really red hot, I mean, they may want you to know. 
Um, and all you can do is ask. And then the other thing is, is that, you know, the ones that are particularly tough, you know, I've also had to do incentives. Hey, look, give me, you know, the, the, uh, the good old Amazon card, you know, give me like 30 minutes and I'll, I'll send you something. Yeah. Right? You could and, really be hyped up on caffeine your... by collecting those cards, Starbucks <laughs> cards. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There you go. Those two. Right. I mean, that was kind of, those are, those go back to my direct mail days where you just kind of, uh, yeah. You know, how much is your time worth? Okay. I'll send that to you. Right. Yeah. And, um, um, so, so it, it, it's important because you're going to find out something that you likely don't know because the thinking is institutionalized and sort of built for speed and not for, you know, comprehension or understanding, right? We just need to move. I got to get this out. Like, let's just, let's just pump it out. I think we know go. Right. And, and if you take a little bit of time, I guarantee you, and it's worked for me for the better part of a decade, you will have better results. You will get active engagement. You will get people on the hook. I mean, I've, I've shortened sales cycles for really large purchases from, you know, 16 months to six because I was talking to the right people because I, I knew where they were hurting based on talking to, and not not everybody has this ability, but I, I worked for a company that was a, uh, a teleservices firm that did this kind of end to end thing. And they, uh, I had access to, you know, 400 callers. So I burned through about a thousand people and actively got interviews out of 300. So I got a large enough sample size to where I was like, I feel good about this. The other thing that's cool about talking to a bunch of people or some people and getting that documented is that as if you're a marketer or even a salesperson trying to understand something, and let's say, you know, because this stuff isn't perfect, you're, you miss the mark or you don't do as well as you can. You still have the ability to lean on the fact that, like, we went with the data we had versus I made a wild-ass guess, right? I mean, so, so it's always kind of covered my butt in one sense and helped me perform better in others. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I'm sure other roles are as guilty as us marketers, but just to be self-deprecating about it, you know, I think marketers fall into the trap of, I am a marketer, so I don't need to talk to them. I know what they think. And I think there's power mm-hmm. in asking the question alone, right? This gets back to why gather feedback outside of, of your team. And I think you're, you're so right that you will learn something if you just ask. And it shocks me even today, how many teams are moving at such a pace that you're right. They just aren't willing to take the time and invest, you know, the extra week maybe in their strategy to get some information that may or may not change their approach, but that they asked can be validating um, or informing. So true. Yeah. My hope, and you said something that is absolutely true, but I hope that people are getting getting over that and not thinking it is that marketers don't know everything. Salespeople don't know everything. They, they, they know some and anybody that's willing to admit that they don't know something. And this is really my journalism background. I mean, I've had to dive into subjects I had no business even, you know, covering that I had to get as smart as I could, as fast as I could. uh, And it involved talking to other people that were smarter than I was. Right. And that's how every endeavor should go. Right. Anybody that's just guessing because they think they know, boy, I, I think they're, they're not long for their role. (laughs) I think they're going to have a tough time. You know, I mean, the people that are curious and inquisitive and the ones that are sort of like, I, 
I'm not buying that. But how do we validate that? I mean, that's really the world that we live in now. Yep. Um, Willing to you know, ask so why. I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah, for sure. Changing the subject a little bit, um, but in the sure. in the in the world of reaching to out to other people and and not going it alone, um, I, I was reading through just in prep for our conversation one of the articles you put together for marketing profs, um, and you put together a little starter kit on on gathering customer feedback like this. And one of your points of advice said, find people who like data crunching and picking fights. And I cracked up. Um, at what <laughs> point in campaign planning and execution do you think data analysts should be involved or should they imbo- be involved sort of all along the way? I'll tell you where the thought came from. Um, and and, and it, it, the, the point that I was making it probably deserved a little bit more clarity. But the point that I was making is I will do interviews. I will capture all the information. And then I, you know, will look through that information and make some judgments, right? Well, if we've got 80% of the people I talk to, or frankly, using technology, even like using SurveyMonkey, however you can get it done, right? I looked at this and then I made a judgment based on what I think that means. So when I'm talking very specifically about, you know, people that want to pick fights and crunch data, I was talking about it in terms of the gathering of all the information that you've captured from the interviews. So in that sense, it happens right after you're done. You kind of go into this mode of like, okay, all these people said these things and percentage, you know, try and figure out how, how, how many more said it than others, what that might mean. And then I usually lob it over the wall to people that gut check my logic. Sometimes they're in an analytics role. Sometimes they're in a technology role based on, you know, the kind of questions I have to ask. But um, so that was very specific to that exercise. But I think if you have um, analytics people, people that are data crunchers and people that are helping kind of fuel your campaigns with the right people or segment them appropriately or figure out your universe of, you know, potential buyers, I think all of those people are instrumental in figuring out who you should go after in a campaign. So they may be super viable to bring in early. Okay, we have a list of this many people. If you segment it, how many people do we have? Are there other people out there that we're not reaching? And how do we, and this is where I get back to my ethics, right? How do we ethically go get them rather than necessarily just kind of buy lists or use a broker. I just think that's getting grosser and grosser by the day. Um, How do we figure that out? Um, And then let's devise the campaign rather than kind of in reverse. Okay, we want to talk to these people and we're going to do all these cool things. Oh, crap. Do we have the data to support it? Do we know enough about our people to support it? So you can never have enough. I mean, you know me personally, so you know that I'm sort of that free thinker, Spaz, born a Gemini, and kind of all over the place, right? We have so much and in common. <laughs> you, <laughs> you have to have you have to have somebody that's a little bit more grounded and a little bit more like, hmm, okay, I get your idea, but you know, have you given this a thought? Have you given that a thought? So I think of analytics-minded people as well as people that are really good at you know parsing data and figuring out approaches to. Yeah. People surrounding ourselves with people who will challenge our ideas, even if they seem right at yeah. the surface, poke holes in it. Tell me why I'm wrong. I say that a lot. Yeah. yeah so true. Um, how do you yeah, deal with sure. it when when buyers, so we've got the people, we didn't buy the list, we weren't gross. 
Um, they're willing to give us their feedback, but for reasons of legalese or, or just sort of preference, they want to be kept anonymous. How do you respect their wishes while still incorporating their feedback into campaigns? Do you have any tips there? You know, I mean, in all honesty, I, I have never... Well, I shouldn't say that. In in some instances, I'm actively asking for attribution for something like a case study. God, we'd love to have you. You know, you're the VP of whatever. And, you know, having you in this case study of our successes together would be great. Can I have your name? You know, in that instance, sometimes I say yes, sometimes I say no. The information is still valuable. So then you do a blind case study. But in terms of doing preference and customer experience type interviews, I don't really need people to not be anonymous. They can be anonymous. I don't care. I mean, they can be, they can be whoever they want to be as long as they're giving me truthful information based on how they did something that could maybe inform how we might design future campaigns. Right. So I don't really, I don't really need somebody to tell me who they are in that scenario. Um, so we've been talking today about sort of the DIY approach to this, right? How, how our listeners mm-hmm. might be able to apply some of your wisdom that you've gained over the years. But I believe that the company you work with, the Pedowitz Group, helps teams outline and execute campaigns like this. Um, for those that may not be familiar and may not want to manage this in-house, do you want to share just a couple sentences about, you know, what it takes to work with Pedowitz Group and, and what your ideal customer might look like? Yeah, sure. I mean, I will do my best. As you've seen on my LinkedIn profile, I started about six months ago, but I have worked for similar companies. Um, and what I'm doing now is uh, is really helping organizations get their people, processes, and technology in sync, which would then enable um, or empower, as we discussed, um, empower the ability to have campaigns that are moving through at a you know a, fric- a more frictionless pace and making sure that the information as it comes back to the organization is getting routed to the right people. So it's a little bit of a shift, but we also have people that are working in kind of managed services capacities to help people um, align, design, and even manage their um, marketing automation instances. So it kind of covers a whole gamut. They've got me in a in a more strategic figuring out how to get everybody on the same page. So I'm doing a lot of workshops and I'm, I'm talking to a lot of people. So I would say, you know, without making this into a commercial, anybody that's having a challenge with the ever present marketing and sales alignment issues or value articulation to people across the organization on why and how to use technology and and solid processes to get to the right people, then I think, you know, we could potentially be a good fit for them. I would imagine with all those team members and with your own experience, you've seen campaigns like this go well and go bad. Um, is there any advice that you would give to teams getting started or maybe struggling with incorporating biocentric or biocentricity into their campaigns? It may not be the exact question that you're asking, but more often than not, than a campaign not doing well after doing all this work, it's more likely that you'll get a lot more pressure on, like, we don't have time, we don't have access, or we can't do it, or I don't think it's that big of a deal, you know, we'll talk to our sales team. And in those instances, what I usually recommend and what I've done myself is say, okay, fine, that's cool. Um, we'll do it your way. 
but can I have a slice of the people in uh, that are our customers to call out and test my theories and see which campaign performs better? And no secret, you're going to beat the crud out of that other campaign, right? So then it will become something that gets indoctrinated into the organization because they're going, whoa, our engagement doubled. Or, I mean, I'm not really kidding. It sounds like it sounds fake because, you know, you know, us marketers are big on trying to convince somebody to do something and then throw a bunch of big numbers at it. But I've really seen engagement you know, significantly increase and people get into the pipeline faster um, if you're doing it based on how other people have done it before. So um, big believer. But, yeah, I would just if you get pushback. You know, you use the old agency trick of that's interesting. Let's do an A B split. Let's do an A B test. Right. And then and then you don't have to be, you know, sort of dug in and getting your boss, you know, thinking about why you're such a pain in the butt. <laughs> I, I'm sure mine thinks about that a lot. I'm not sure an A B test yeah, is the solution though. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, Mark, this has been fun. I enjoyed our conversation. Thanks for all of the, the great insights that you shared around the, um, the buyer's journey and incorporating that feedback into campaigns. Um, let's hope that, that we're helping marketers be more relevant and, and more targeted. Absolutely, Angie. Call me anytime. <laughs>